Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Colts fans, welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Be sure to never miss an episode of the show here by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're trying to get some skin in this Colts podcast game, so that would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. On today's show, we'll take a gander at the Colts matchup this Sunday against the New York Jets. I'll play you my conversation with Paul Esden Jr., who covers the Jets for a variety of publications, as well as as his own podcast, The Jet Zone. And I'll also give you some of the things that Philip B. Wilson and I are watching for this weekend. Uh, This Sunday, as the Colts host the Jets at Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, they remain at home after winning last week against the Vikings. Attendance increases from 2,500 fans last week to 7,500 this week. And the Colts hope to get a little bit of a win streak going finally for the first time in what seems like a while. Uh, On the injury front, the Colts, of course, lost Paris Campbell to a knee injury last week. Uh, That's an MCL and PCL injury. He went on IR, so he'll be out for at least a few weeks. Also starting free safety, Malik Hooker tore his Achilles and is out for the season. Matthew Adams, who's primarily a special teamer, has an ankle injury and is set to miss a couple weeks. Tight end Jack Doyle had a knee injury. He was out last week, but he returned to the practice field on Thursday. And it appears that cornerback Rocky Asin still remains out of practice as of Thursday. Uh, He's got a non-football illness and he missed the game on Sunday. With Campbell out, it likely isn't just going to be one guy that sees a huge increase in reps. It's probably going to be more so Zach Paschal, Michael Pittman, Naheem Hines, and the tight ends, Mo Alley-Cox, and Jack Doyle, all seeing a little bit of increased time moving forward uh, until Campbell returns. Like we saw last week after Hooker went out, it looks like rookie Julian Blackman is going to get the lion's share of the snaps there at free safety. Uh, he looked great last week uh, in that in that uh, cover two defense, moved around really well, looked instinctive, had a couple plays on the ball early on. So I think the Colts are going to be in pretty good hands uh, in Hooker's absence. But we could also see George Odom play some snaps as well. Um, he's, he's plenty experienced after his first couple years in the league. Again, Adams being primarily a special teamer, uh, that's not a huge hit for the Colts. But we will likely see guys like Jordan Glasgow, EJ Speed, and even Ben Banigou potentially get a little more action on special teams. Uh, if Yassin continues to be out this week, then I would imagine TJ Carey will continue to, to start in his absence on the outside when Kenny Moore kicks inside to the nickel. The Jets injury report is much worse. Uh, it's forever long right now. Uh, they're missing some important guys like Jamison Crowder, who is Sam Darnold's favorite target, starting center Connor McGovern, Rashad Perriman, who's a starting receiver, running back Le'Veon Bell is on injured reserve, as is starting linebacker Blake Cashman, a couple of rookies in Denzel Mims and Jabari Zuniga are on injured reserve. I really liked their draft class, so it's it's a bummer that guys like 
Cameron Clark and Mims and Zuniga are out because once once those guys are healthy, uh, I think they'll contribute to the team really well. But it's just it's a rough patch right now for the Jets for sure. Looking at the game, I'll take you to my conversation with the man who knows everything there is to know about the Jets, Paul Esden Jr. of the Jet Zone, as well as a million other publications uh, to break down this week's matchup. All right, I've got my friend Paul Esden Jr. here uh, breaking down the Colts and Jets matchup with us. He's the host of the Jet Zone podcast, as well as the Play Like a Jet Zone show. And he's a sports talk radio host in Syracuse, New York. So wearing a lot of hats. Paul, how are we doing today? Jake, thank you so much for I, I congrats on the new podcast, man. The new digs, this is awesome. And uh, thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. We're trying to trying to get to your level. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind. All right. Yeah, no problem. Looking at the team at, at this Jets team this year, I've seen a lot of kind of hubbub about you know. Sam Darnold, is he the guy? And, of course, if the Jets are in, are in position to get someone like Trevor Lawrence, should they do it? Well, number one, you know, Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, is is a Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck-level prospect. So that kind of goes without saying. But should should there be any need to look for a replacement for Sam Darnold? Is he the problem? Man, that's that's an impossible question. I addressed it on my podcast last week, and I kind of labeled that topic of conversation on the podcast an uncomfortable conversation with the Jets fan. Because here's the thing. From a Jets fan perspective, Sam Darnold is the franchise quarterback. He has shown glimpses of being that guy that can make all the throws. And where Sam Darnold thrives, quite frankly, is when the pocket collapses and he's able to get on the move, move and groove, improvise, and make big plays happen down the field. You saw that not often in the 49ers game on Sunday. Uh, That was the last and only touchdown of the game for the Jets. He escaped pressure from the 49ers pass rush, rolled out to the left, threw to his right. It just shows his ability to keep plays alive. And it was a beautiful touchdown, unfortunately. Uh, The Jets lost that game anyway, and that was a garbage-time touchdown. But to answer the question, it's hard. I believe Sam Darnold is the guy for the New York Jets. But quite frankly, his first two years, there's a lot of MIA. You know, there's missing tape. He's missed six games in his first two years of his career. We're in the midst of year number three right now. And the Jets are 0-6 in those games. He had mononucleosis last year. He battled injuries year number one. So there's just a lot of incomplete tape for Sam Darnold, and that's the problem. But to answer your part of your the start of your question with Trevor Lawrence, if the Jets have the number one pick, number two pick, number three, if they're a one, two, three win football team, the Jets, again, to label it, are going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation. To me, I don't think there's any way the Jets can be a one, two, three win football team, whatever it is, to end up with one of those top picks without Sam Darnold playing terribly or contracting COVID, or something happening. I don't think there's a formula that exists where Sam Darnold can play like at a Pro Bowl level, and yet the rest of the Jets team sucks so bad around him that the team doesn't win ballgames. That doesn't translate to me. So if they're in that position, they certainly have to consider Trevor Lawrence or whoever uh, tickles their fancy among some of the top quarterbacks that will be available in next year's draft. So there's a lot to prove. The Jets have to exercise that fifth-year option after this year, and uh, there's still 14 more games to go to make that decision. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of quarterbacks that Trevor Lawrence probably couldn't push off of rosters in the NFL when it comes to draft time. Yeah, he's uh, the real deal. 
Yeah, so th- this Jets defense not having a good time against the run. Uh, last week with the 49ers, uh, Raheem Mostert particularly, Jarek McKinnon, uh, they had really productive runs on the outside. How is that Jets run defensive bill? Are, are they a, they a smash-mouth up front team? Do they not have much speed to cover outside? What's what's the woes there? Uh, great, great question. Last year, Greg Williams, defensive coordinator, made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. There was injuries across the board. No C.J. Mosley. Uh, no Avery Williamson. They lost C.J. Mosley in the first game. He came back later, but he wasn't 100%. Ultimately landed on IR. Avery Williamson never played the whole year. And Greg Williams just grabbed a bunch of random no-names. And no offense to any of those no-names. He just They were guys that did not have credentials, did not have a great track record of uh, delivering for an NFL team. And they had the number two rush defense in the entire NFL last year. Jamal Adams obviously played a huge factor that he's no longer on the team. C.J. Mosley opted out this year. Avery Williamson has been battling an injury, so he played sparingly even in this last game against the 49ers. They cycled out a lot of different linebackers. They just haven't been playing well. I think Jordan Jenkins said it best. He's the longest tenured player on this team outside linebacker who re-signed from Georgia uh, on this Jets team. He said, we're getting our butts kicked. The first... Talk about making franchise history for all the wrong reasons. That Raheem Mostert run was the first play of the game for the 49ers and went all the way to the his house. And, uh, no, the Jets have just been getting pounded up front. The sweep has obviously worked. That was the touchdown to Raheem Mostert. They kind of got, got out on the edge. The Jets don't have any elite edge defenders. Jordan Jenkins is very good, but... You know, again, he's one guy. The Jets are missing a lot of key pieces on this team. Marcus May, after having a career day in game, in week one against the Buffalo Bills, looked atrocious week two. A lot of missed tackles. That was another issue uh, for the New York Jets. So, no, I mean, the talent level stinks. Uh, the Jets aren't playing up to their abilities. And I think, quite frankly, that even in the lone few moments that the Jets' defense has stepped up, Quentin Williams looked very good last week. He had, uh, you know, uh, his his best day as a pro. But even when they have those little moments of greatness, it seems like whether it's the offense, which has been god-awful uh, through the first two weeks of the season for that, quote, brilliant offensive mind of Adam Gates, I think that gets down on the defense, too. It's called complementary football. It's where the offense helps out the defense, the defense helps out the offense. Every time the defense has helped out the offense, the offense has done nothing with it. And I think the defense has kind of uh, floundered in that, has kind of been down in the dumps. When they get a good stop or what have you, immediately the offense lets them down and then the whole game plan kind of collapses. But no, uh, Greg Williams has uh, done an awful job this year, and unfortunately, uh, so have the players. Oof, that's that's tough to overcome. <laughs> That's uh, when, when you have your problems that deep rooted. That's that's not a quick fix. No, not at all. Uh, again, uh, all over the board. Again, there have been bright moments. Bless Austin, a six round pick who was battered, beaten, and bruised at Rutgers, and he was he was injured, and, and people thought, oh, man, can he even have a career? The Jets took a flyer on him, and he looked good at the end of last year. He's looked good at the beginning of this year, but he misses 100 tackles. That's been uh, the bugaboo for him. Marcus May has looked terrific. Ashton Davis, who they drafted in the third round out of Cal, He's looked lost. He he got uh, he tried to hurdle a guy week one. He learned welcome to the NFL. Got front flipped uh, this week. He hasn't really or this past week against the Forty ers He hasn't made a lot of plays. 
plays. Bradley McDougal got banged up. The corners aren't great. Uh, you know, obviously, we mentioned it uh, in my Jet Zone podcast that we did uh, earlier this week. The, the Indianapolis corners that are now on the Jets, whether it's Quincy Wilson or Pierre Desir, I mean, it is your guys' leftovers. It's it's what the Colts didn't want. They cut Pierre Desir. Jets immediately claimed him. They traded for Quincy Wilson uh, during the draft. Uh, I mean, Nate Hairston, another guy they traded for a couple of years ago. I mean, these are Colts rejects, you know, with all due respect, that are playing at corner uh, for the Jets. This could be a great opportunity for T.Y. Hilton to get on the right page with uh, Philip Rivers. Maybe all he needs is an Nice little juice, a nice little big play. I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities versus this uh, Jets secondary. Yeah, that, that actually answers a good portion of this last question I got for you, and that was how have a lot of these Colts transplants performed as Jets? You know, you got Gore, Henry Anderson, Desir Wilson, Arthur Mollette, Matthias Farley, Terrell Basham. The, the list is endless. Have any of those guys been exceptional, or have they all just kind of looked like another team's another team's offerings. You know, it's interesting. Henry Anderson, when he came over, and I remember that trade like yesterday because obviously it's kind of got a cool Syracuse connection to here. The Jets traded the 235th overall pick, a seventh rounder to the Colts for Henry Anderson. They were switching schemes, so the Colts were just getting rid of a player who didn't fit. And then they ended up getting Zaire Franklin, who became a team captain. And I know, uh, you know, this is a, a Colts podcast here, but, you know, Zaire Franklin, man, if I could bet, I've been covering Syracuse football for like the last 10 years. If there was a player that I could bet money on, and I said this before the draft so we could go back to the tail of the tape, that I'd be willing to invest in because Syracuse obviously has not been pumping out NFLers left and right. Zaire Franklin as a person, as a player, is a guy I was willing to put my money down and say, I put my career on the line and say this guy's going to make it in the NFL. And I'm glad that he has and he's uh, elected a team captain this year. It's a great point of, uh, you know, uh, cheering for here in central New York and Syracuse. Zaire Franklin has been great. That's a player they got in the Henry Anderson trade. And Henry Anderson balled out that first year with the Jets. He was rewarded with a handsome three-year contract extension. And ever since he got the extension, unfortunately, Goose uh, has uh, looked like a dead goose uh he has not looked very good at all uh there's been fleeting moments from the corners but again we're only two weeks into the year i was very high on pierre desir i thought he'd fit greg williams zone scheme very well i thought he'd be a great addition uh to this team he got benched uh week one week two he was forced back in due to injury uh so he's been hit or miss frank gore's been a great guy in the locker room and he got 20 carries on sunday i don't know if that's good or bad great for frank gore obviously um, so a, a lot of the Colts players that are here now, quite frankly, there's a reason they're no longer on the Colts is because the Colts chose not to keep them and uh, and they c- didn't choose to keep them for a variety of reasons. So, um, no, uh, not a lot of them have uh, played up to expectations. Terrell Basham, he's a guy you mentioned. He's a guy the Jets are very high on inside their building. They do not have an elite edge uh, player on this team that could get after the quarterback. They're very high on Terrell Basham, and he's shown – flashes but it has not turned into consistency yet oh thank you so much for the insight paul uh good luck to you guys this weekend and we'll talk again soon we'll need it thanks thanks again to paul for his time check out paul's work on the jet zone as well as our own jets podcast believe in jets featuring host michael palace as well as new york football featuring host steven rodriguez Looking at this matchup, there's obviously some familiar faces on the Jets' side. It's it's very obvious, and you're you're going to notice it. Uh, just by my tally, the the former Colts that are with them now, 
Henry Anderson, Josh Andrews, Terrell Basham, Pierre Desir, Matthias Farley, Frank Gore, Nate Hairston, Thomas Hennessy, Arthur Mallette, Dante Moncrief, Ross Travis, and Quincy Wilson. Uh, they're all members of the, of the Jets, uh, whether it's the active roster, IR, practice squad, what have you. Uh, and a, I think a lot of that has to deal with uh, the Jets' assistant general manager, Rex Hogan, uh, who was formerly with the Colts for a couple years as the vice president of player personnel. This matchup, uh, offensively, I, I think it's got to go through Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. I know a lot of people questioned why Naheem wasn't involved much last week, but Nick Sirianni this week said they've got to get him more involved and uh, – you know, he, he's too much of a playmaker. But from what I saw, uh, I watched the Jets game against the 49ers from last week, and I saw real opportunity, especially for Taylor and Hines. Uh, 49ers running back Raheem Mostert took the first play of the game for 80 yards for a touchdown. He had another one shortly thereafter for 67 yards and a touchdown, uh, but that was called back due to a holding penalty. And then Jarek McKinnon had a 55-yard run. So that's uh, three huge runs, and what they all had in common was uh, they were tosses to the right outside. And the 49ers use an outside zone run scheme, and the Colts use that occasionally as well. The Colts have a really diverse blocking and, and running scheme, so they're capable of doing that. But I think, especially with Taylor and Hines' speed, I think those could be huge advantages that the Colts could take uh, take advantage of. And then through the air, I think the Colts, it's a possibility they have a big game as well. Uh, they've had good matchups these first couple weeks, and they, they've had pretty decent uh, pretty decent uh, results. Outside of T.Y. Hilton, who I know a lot of people are, are wondering about right now, we'll get into that here in a bit. Uh, Phillip Rivers has been looking for his bigger targets, especially last week. You know, Michael Pittman had six targets. Mo Alley-Cox had six targets and had a huge day, of course, 111 yards. Uh, we could see both of those guys with a little bit of an increased role as Rivers gets more comfortable with them and, and finds out what he wants to do in this offense. And the running backs might get a little more involved in the passing game as well. Through these first two weeks, Rivers has not missed when targeting them. He's 20 of 20 when uh, throwing to running backs. So I'd imagine we see that continue as well. Someone the Colts will have to be concerned about or, or I guess cognizant of is Quinnen Williams who is a Jets second year defensive tackle he had a huge breakout game last week with seven tackles four for loss two sacks and two quarterback hits so he's definitely someone who's circled on on film review this weekend defensively I just think the Colts have to pressure Sam Darnold Pro Football Focus has him with just an awful grade when passing under pressure. He's just got a 39.4 out of 100. Uh, if Even if four men is getting the job done, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple extra blitzers on occasion uh, just, to, just to keep Darnold uncomfortable. When he is getting rid of the ball, he throws a lot of quick outside passes. Uh, passes inside 10 yards make up for about 75% of his throws. So the Colts are going to have to have tight coverage so they don't give up too much cushion and they eliminate yards after catch attempts because he will get the ball out of there quickly. He does have a little bit of the, the Superman complex, though, where he can keep a play alive and escape pressure. Uh, so that, that's where them blitzing him, they're going to have to get home on him. 
Uh, as far as the run game goes, there's not a lot there for the Jets. It's pretty much Frank feed Frank Gore up the middle for three yards. Uh, that's that's what they've shown so far. They might get Kalen Balaj involved a little more. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan was able to come in and get a few carries. Some, for my money, I would get P. Ryan involved a lot more. I, I liked him in the in the draft. He's a Frank Gore style of runner. Honestly, he he's got balance. He's tough, and he can catch the ball. And next up here is what Philip B. Wilson and I from AllColts.com are looking at specifically this week as far as a couple of players go. Hi, Colts fans. Philip B. Wilson here with Jake Arthur. We are looking at Colts hosting Jets Sunday. The player or players we are keeping an eye on. And, Jake, we'll start with you. Which Colts or Colt player are you watching on Sunday at Lucasville Stadium? Well, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I've gone offense the first two weeks, but I'm really excited to see Julian Blackman this week. Uh, He's filling in for the injured Malik Hooker. And as far as we know, this is his job to lose for the foreseeable future. Had a pretty good uh, showing in his first game. A couple passes broken up, a couple tackles. What are we going to see in game two? Yeah, I agree. The third round pick surprises. I think that he was on the field so soon after – having ACL surgery back in December. And, yeah, a couple great pass breakups. One he tipped to Kari Willis for interception. So that was impressive and definitely encouraging to see a rookie make plays uh, right at the start. Uh, I'm going to go offense since I've used my Buckner card twice and Buckner was Hmm. throwing people around to Forrest Buckner, was throwing people around last week. I'll go offense and go T.Y. Hilton and – we know the story here. He's in a contract year. He wants to produce. He wants to be a Colt for life. Comes out in week one, says nobody can stop me when I'm healthy or hurt. And then he drops two balls. And last week he dropped a pass that, you know, he admitted today it was in the sun and he couldn't see it. Frank Reich said that too. But it still hit him in the hands. And when you're T.Y. Hilton, you're kind of expected to make that catch. Now, I'm not that worried about him, but the Jets – aren't that formidable and I would expect T.Y. to have a T.Y. kind of game against an 0-2 team that's you know let's be honest they don't have the talent to match up with the Colts Uh, you just hope the Colts don't play down to the competition but T.Y. should be hungry and he should feast if he doesn't we might be back here next week wondering what's wrong with T.Y. Hilton so that's where I'm going with Something's got to give, right? I mean, this is the third week in a row he's had a great matchup. The Jets have a fine ensemble, if you will, Uh, maybe not so fine because they're not here anymore, of former Colts. And we were kicking around off camera about which Colts we were looking forward to seeing or we were going to be keeping an eye on. So we'll start with you, Jake, uh, from a long list of guys. uh, What players are you uh, looking? at uh, that were you know former Colts are now with the Jets yeah the, there's about four former Colts cornerbacks on this Jets roster yeah. uh, Quincy Wilson and Pierre Desir I've, I've seen a good bit of snaps Wilson I think's in the concussion protocol so don't know if we'll see him play uh, he's had a few things to say about the Colts this offseason you know how he's in a much better spot in New York how things just didn't really work out there before as you know, Pierre Desir, just one of the nicest guys you'll ever talk to in the locker room. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this will shake out, especially since T.Y. Hilton needs a big bounce-back game. 
and he's run about a billion routes in practice between these guys. Yeah, I don't know what to say about Quincy. I mean, they gave him every opportunity, former second-round pick, and he just didn't play well. And it's not often that GM Chris Ballard trades an early pick uh, and basically gives up on him, and that's what he did with Quincy in trading him to the Jets. So I'm sure he'll be motivated and want to prove to some people that he was better than he showed here. Uh, I'm going to go with Frank Gore because we fell in love with Frank when he was here for three years. Uh, running back who's been in the league forever, I think. What is it, 17 years now? Yeah, something like that's, that. That's, that's insane. Running backs are supposed to last maybe their first contract if they're good enough and they get lucky enough to stay healthy. And Frank is just uh, the indomitable spirit still playing. He's their main cog uh, because Le'Veon Bell's hurt and uh, they got receivers banged up. And uh, you just admire a guy who's played as long as he has. Uh, Darius Leonard was talking today about how much he uh, admired and appreciated uh, Gore's longevity and durability and the kind of player he is. I'm afraid that the Colts are going to stack that box against him and that D-line is not going to give him much room to run. But it'll still be nice to see him. Maybe he'll give us that smile. And, uh, and he, you know, he'll play hard. I mean, he always yeah. plays hard. He gives it what he has. So we kind of need to see Frank Gore again. Uh, and with that, I think we're done. We wrap this up. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate your time. We'll look forward to seeing how the Colts fare against the Jets on Sunday. Absolutely. Thank you, Phil. And those are the current and former Colts players that Phil and I are looking forward to watching this weekend. Next up is the fantasy preview. And for those of you who haven't read my preview yet on allcolts.com, uh, the guys I highlighted this week, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, we've already touched on that, uh, but the Jets gave up 182 yards on the ground last week, so I loved that pair this week. I think Naheem Hines is going to be more involved this week. Uh, you got to look at Mo Cox. While the production last week was not something we should expect all the time, I think it's very obvious there is a role for him moving forward, whether or not Jack Doyle plays. And I know he returned to practice on Thursday, but I, I just think we're, we're going to see more of Mo in this offense and with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. Uh, last week leading into the game, Phillip told Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich that he likes looking Mo's way. So, you know, when you've got a huge guy like that that can just go up and get it, he's going to stick around. And then the last was the Colts defense and special teams. This one is pretty basic. The Jets rank near the bottom of the league or are at best in the middle of the pack in almost everything offensively. And the Colts rank in the top 10 or are closer to the top three in most major defensive categories. Uh, they're coming off a game where they had three sacks, three takeaways, and a safety last week against the Vikings. Uh, so that one's pretty clear cut for me. Now I will answer some of your questions that you guys sent me in on Twitter. First up is Lucas Robbins. He said, who has a bigger game, DeForest Buckner versus the Jets' offensive line or Quentin Nelson versus the Jets' defensive line? Uh, this one's a little tough because you always want to lean towards Quentin Nelson, but he's got a little more difficult of a matchup, and I'm really interested in seeing if Quentin Williams keeps that momentum going. Uh, for DeForest Buckner, he's going to be facing an offensive line that's already not that great, and the he's probably going to be facing a backup center. He pretty much killed a guy last week uh, when he threw Jack or not Jacksonville, but Minnesota's um, 
backup right guard into the backfield and then got a hit on Kirk Cousins. And now he may be facing a backup center this week. So I've got to give the edge to DeForest Buckner here. He, he's gotten off to a really hot start. Next question is from Andrew Miller. He said predictions over or under eight targets for Pittman with Campbell out. Oof, that's, that one's tough. Um, I could see it being right at seven or eight targets for Pittman. Like I said, I don't, I don't think there's going to be one guy who's, whose usage increases dramatically, but I do think it's just natural for his usage to go up right now. Uh, he started week one with two targets. Last week he had six. So getting seven or eight targets, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Campbell was a slot receiver, and Michael Pittman is a guy that will go over the middle, so that makes all the sense in the world to me. Next up, Barton Springer. He said, when's T.Y. going to get right? Is this the end or just a bumpy start with Phillip Rivers? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, in in my head and heart, I guess, I got to say that he's he's going to be all right, and this is just kind of a rough patch for him. You know, if, if he makes one big play out of – there, there's been three big plays that he's missed, really, I guess, in the last two games. If he makes even one of those, I don't know that we're having this big of a conversation about it. Uh, he, he said he lost the ball in the sun on that would-be 44-yard touchdown last week. The week before, he had the two drops at the end of the game. And it's not like they were gimmies. I mean, they, they would have been challenging catches, but ones we want to see him make regardless. Um, this is going to be his third straight game with a, a good matchup. So something has got to come through, and he, he's got to start performing at some time. My money says he will start performing better at some point. So I don't think this is the end. You still see the speed with him. If, if he was toast, I would think we would be able to tell physically and not just that he's dropping these balls. Uh, last question for this episode is from Jarvis Tab. He said, post-Manning era, we've had some major clunker games versus the Jets. Does that impact your confidence in the Colts to win this game? We should win, but can't afford to lose this one if we're going to win the division. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of set up as a, as a classic trap game. There's nothing on paper that says the Jets should win this game. And the Colts do have a bad habit at times of playing down to their competition. There's sometimes when they're facing inferior talent and they don't just step on their neck. But I think last week was a perfect example of taking advantage of that and actually not making mistakes and beating an opponent you really should. I think the same thing would have happened in week one against Jacksonville had they not been shooting themselves in the foot so often. Uh, so I do like the Colts in this one. The pass doesn't really give me pause because the teams are just so dramatically different. I mean, the last time the Colts lost to... Uh, lost to the Jets. It was a Sam Darnold team. But the Colts also killed the Jets in 2016. It was like 41 to 10 or something like that. So I don't think the past is going to change my opinion on this on this outcome at all. Thank you for your questions, guys. I will once again ask for them uh, during the post-game show coming up after the game on Sunday for Monday morning show. And now for the segment that is near and dear to my heart is the local shout out. This week is very appropriate for me to do Rush Off Main, which is a Chicago uh, restaurant in downtown Brownsburg. I was there earlier this week. I've been there several times before. 
uh, but that place is great. Uh, they've got they've got another location in Zionsville called Rush on Main, but the Brownsburg location is definitely my haunt there. Uh, the food is always good. The service is great. The beer is good, and it's really not too expensive either. Uh, when I was there earlier this week, it was the perfect setting. Um, just going there to to get some lunch after a round of golf in the morning. Sitting on the, the patio out there drinking beer and eating good food. Uh, just a great atmosphere, and I am never disappointed. That's all we've got for the preview show today, everybody. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and more. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts. That's B-L-E-A-V-I-N-C-O-L-T-S. And me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond to me when I send out a call forum on Twitter. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. You'll hear from us again in a few days after the Colts and Jets game on Sunday afternoon. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.